The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good news, friends. I'm like 80% healthy. So we're getting back into that time of year where Dan's just going to be sick every other week until May. Oh, that's a long stretch. I shouldn't have said it out loud. I feel worse now. Oh, well. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good weekend. Good Friday. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but it's Fantasy NBA Today. It's the Friday edition, also the weekend edition. That'll carry us through to Monday. I am Dan Bespris, your fragile host. Not because anything's going wrong. I just, you know, I'm sort of a frail little butterfly over here. Uh, At... D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter. You can spell it, you can find it, or you can just search for Dan from Hoopball. We got a great show coming up today for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's our normal Friday. I should probably tell you more about the show, and I, and I will in a second. It's our normal Friday. We've got our weekend review, our Thursday review, our weekend preview, but a very special additional guest segment on this Friday show from our buddy Alan Soroki. He is one of uh, Hoopball's finest contributors, and we have a new... I thought it was a kind of a cool tie-in, so I'm not going to... Uh, I mean, I, I guess I already tweeted about it. Uh, we're calling it Accidental Mailbag, I think is what we ultimately decided upon by the end of the interview. So that'll be coming up here in just a matter of moments. And just a lot of things to try to jam into one Friday weekend edition. So this one might go a little bit on the long side. You've been forewarned. Although we're in the age of the internet where you can actually see the length of the podcast before you even start it. It's not like I'm breaking some news here unless you hadn't looked at the number and then Dan said something and you're like, oh, he's right. It is a little bit longer than usual. This is a Hoopball presentation at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter. And as always, this show is brought to you by our buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. H.I. Kona Coffee on Twitter. HawaiianIsles.com is the website or Hawaiian Isles at uh, on Amazon. If you want to just get their stuff direct to your doorstep, that's coming prime to you. Amazon Prime, you get the fun box and everything. So the order of operations on today's show, I, what I'd like to do is quickly hit on Thursday's results because I feel like that's the most immediate uh, and pressing of the items, things that happened last night. Then we're going to talk to Alan. Then we're going to move to our weekend review. And then we're going to move to the weekend preview. Now you know what's coming and you know in what order. All week long, I've been talking to you guys about the recruiting process. Today, I want to take a second at the beginning of the show to thank everybody that's been putting five-star reviews on this podcast. You guys are incredible. You guys are incredible. I had no idea. Well, I mean, there's two sides to look at this, I guess. Number one, I had no idea there were this many of you that hadn't done it yet. But number two, I'm so thrilled that so many of you are now doing it. It is such a big deal for us. I am not kidding when I say it is one of the two most important things that has anything to, to do with this podcast. Number one is subscriptions. Number two is ratings and reviews. And suddenly we're up to 380. I mean, you guys are coming out of the woodwork and it's the best. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And if those of you out there that haven't done it yet and are thinking about doing it, I can give you the link on Twitter. I can tell you how to do it here on the podcast. It means the world to me and us here at HoopBall. So open up iTunes. Uh, if you're on a computer, open up iTunes. If you're on a phone or an iPad, open up the podcast app on your Apple device. Search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title, not the name of an episode. It's got to be the show. It's one of the bigger logos near the top of the search results. And then on the next page, you scroll all the way to the bottom. The rating and the review is at the bottom of that page, the show page. Uh, drop a five-star review. If you want to write something nice, that'll be even better. Uh, but it's the best. So thank you so, so much in advance. It really does mean the world. Uh, and thank you to those that have already done it. You guys are the best. The best. The absolute best. Let's start by looking at Thursday. Obviously a short card, but th these Thursday ones, they have these big games, and so we end up getting a little bit sidetracked. I'm going to do my best not to get into the weeds too much this week because we have so many things to cover on the show. Utah was at Atlanta. I mean, there's a few ways to look at this ballgame. If you're Utah, 
this is a game that you should have won going away against a rancid Atlanta Hawks team these days. I mean, they really don't have almost anything going on. They're 6-23, and second-worst record in the NBA. Yeah, worse than the Knicks. You heard right. And it took the Jazz until right down the stretch, basically, to finish this thing off. Uh, Rudy Gobert had a really tough time with his free throw shooting in this game. That's the that's the type of game that's going to move him down in the rankings just from one bad foul shooting game. He's back into the mid-40s on a very high volume, 60.5% at the free throw line now. So he's killing you a little bit. Uh, he's still probably a, a bit of a buy low, but you, you obviously need to counterbalance that free throw stuff. Joe Ingles is the big story uh, with Mike Conley out for a couple of weeks. He was going to start anyway, it looked like, and so he's just locked in now. So hopefully you either held on long enough, which I wouldn't have. You have more patience even than me in that one, uh, or you were able to scoop him up really quick. Otherwise, nothing really interesting on the Utah side. Jabari Parker came off the bench in this ballgame, played 24 minutes, and I wonder if they're settling him into his role in the uh, post-John Collins return situation because he was hyper-aggressive. He had the second-highest usage on the team behind just Trey Young. Whenever he was out there, he was going to work, and I liked it a lot, actually. And this is what we were talking about in the podcast as it's not a done deal that Jabari Parker falls off the map after Collins returns. John's going to slot in with the starters for the most part, likely bumping either uh, Bruno Fernando would be my guess, uh, or maybe they bump a wing out and move some other guys around, so maybe like a, a Cam Reddish or, or a DeAndre Hunter. But if I had to guess, it would be Fernando that gets bumped out of the starting lineup in favor of John Collins. And yeah, obviously some of those minutes, you know, Fernando played 17 and Collins is probably going to play like 32 a ball game. But I don't think that that 15-minute difference is coming from Jabari Parker. It's going to be a few from a bunch of different guys. DeAndre Bembry is going to give up some of his 20. Alex Len's going to give up some of his 17. Uh, I mean, we didn't even see uh, Damian Jones. He might be hurt. Alan Crabb, uh, he probably doesn't play 23 minutes. Those probably stay with the younger guys. So don't abandon ship on Jabari Parker just because Collins is coming back. There might still be a role for him as a bench gunner. Cam Reddish played pretty well in this ballgame, actually, but I'm not buying into that yet. Kevin Herter, on the other hand, I think is a much safer proposition. His fantasy game translates better than the, the, the rookies. Uh, Herter with 17-4-2, a steal and three three-pointers. The fact that he didn't end up missing time with that shoulder thing was a pretty big deal, I thought. I, I was ready to punt him into the moon, and he came right back. So that's, that's, that's huge, and I'm willing to give him the start now. I promised we were going to move along, and I don't know that I've kept that promise. Uh, Lakers fell behind big in Milwaukee, ended up making a, an okay game of it, never really quite got over the hump. Anthony Davis played 43 minutes on a bad ankle, which probably wasn't the best decision in the universe. Uh, Lakers, overall, too many turnovers. Uh, they just sort of didn't have much behind themselves early. But from a fantasy standpoint, this, is, this game on both sides was basically a nothing. So we'll just rumble along. It's a fun ball game, but why waste time on it? We're a fantasy basketball show. David Nwaba tore his Achilles. That's a tough one, man. Not that he was a big fantasy impact guy, but a really tough break for a guy that's kind of that's really trying to earn every penny that he makes in the NBA. Uh, Jared Allen had a really big ball game, which of course made DeAndre Jordan uh, fairly irrelevant in this one. Generally, they've both been able to hold value with Allen, obviously the better of the two. And uh, otherwise, Brooklyn just fell apart in the third quarter of this game. I think the Spurs went on a 19-0 run, if I'm remembering that right. On the Spurs side, you could look at the numbers and you can say, hey, good game for both DeJounte Murray and Derek White, but it really comes down to the minutes. Murray got 27, White 21. So Derek still, for me, is on the outside. 21 minutes is not enough. He's not going to get six cash counters every game. He's a good percentages guy, but he's got to be on the damn floor. LaMarcus Aldridge, the safest big man in fantasy. I mean, this is, this is why I had him so high up in my just take him, set it, and forget it list. And some of you guys were giving me a damn hard time about him early in the year when his rebounding was down. Well, guess what? Uh, he has 13, 10, 7, 13, and 10 since coming back from his little quad thing uh, in the rebounding department. He's blocking almost two shots a game this year, which is uh, actually fairly surprising. And he's number 16 over the last month. 
By totals, he's number 23 on the year because he did miss a couple of ball games. Uh, Spurs have not had the world's heaviest load to this point. Uh, and by averages, he's number 26 overall. 50% shooting, 83 at the foul line. I don't want to hear any complaining. He's been great, and uh, for as bad as the Spurs have looked at times, they are uh, just a game out of the eight seed. So they're not throwing in the towel early either unless this whole thing comes apart. And I think that with Murray playing more, you're probably going to see them win a few more times. Houston, big comeback in L.A. Uh, against the Clippers. Multiple Clippers were ejected in this ballgame. Lou Williams in the third, Pat Beverly in the fourth. That was just full-on meltdown mode for uh, L.A. For the Rockets, they just got stuff from a bunch of different guys. This is probably Russell Westbrook's best game of the year, and he made his free throws in a very weird twist. Uh, Clint Capella was solid. Uh, James Harden was efficient, which is super unusual. P.J. Tucker had a double-double with three defensive stats. Even Daniel House was better. Missed his two free throws, which sucked. But 10 points, three boards, five assists, a steal, and two three-pointers. The other stuff looked a lot more like the Daniel House we're used to. He played 35 minutes. The other guys off the bench that everybody was complaining about only played 22 He's their guy when he's healthy, and that's why we've been hanging on. I've had him on my bench. I had him on my bench for this ball game, so I missed a decent performance, and I'm okay with that because as he rounds into shape, you're going to see more like what we saw earlier on this year, which is any teams that force the ball out of Harden's hand a little bit, these other guys are in prime position because they're going to be wide open. And in this one, it just happened to be Westbrook that took uh, a truckload, two truckloads, actually. Uh, of shots in the ball game, so that was your Thursday. Uh, just a reminder, I guess, in that ball game to not drop Daniel House and wait until he gets things sorted back. Fun new segment alert! We've been digging into the the trenches here to try to figure out some cool stuff to bring you guys. Frankly, I got damn tired of talking to myself, uh, and so this has actually been a lot of fun for me. You may know him from the box score breakdown, but in his fantasy NBA Today debut. One of our very own here at Hoopball, Alan Soroki. What's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. How about yourself? Uh, I'm tired and generally a tiny bit sick, but that's baseline these days. So, it, you know, it right. is what it is. Um, so, first of all, I, I feel like people are probably more aware of you now than they were even a couple of weeks ago. You've been all over uh, answering questions on Twitter. You've been in the Hoopball forums. You obviously handle blurb shifts and and articles for hoopball uh it's been i'll just say this at the outset it's been pretty cool to kind of see you take that big leap forward and become you know more of a, a voice in the fantasy community yeah i mean i i'm first of all i'm really appreciative that you know i get to work with a website like hoopball where they give people like me an opportunity like you know i know you're doing a bunch of recruiting pitches these days try and get more people involved and uh i was one of those guys last year towards the end of the season where you know you were putting that message out there and i sent you guys a message um because i've i love this stuff i've been doing it for 10 years and it's just really cool to kind of interact with other people and have uh be able to work on this sort of platform to kind of really it's like free form expressing my thoughts <laughs> so i don't <laughs> feel like you know i'm going crazy with all my you know internal monologues on how to do this what kind of guys i should be targeting in trades yeah you get to put it out into the open there um yeah i feel like and we're not going to get into the, the the real nuts and bolts of it but if i'm not mistaken and this is we can even use this as another clarion call just say hey if you want to get involved with us here you can continue to hit us up we're always looking for the best of the best uh at dan Bespris is my twitter handle uh you're just your name on twitter right alan Soroki, a-l-a-n-s yep. R-O-C-H-I. I wanted to slow that down. <laughs> make sure. Yeah. I, I thought I thought I had a tough last name for broadcasting. You might beat me in that one. Oh, man. If, if my life were a musical, Dan, uh, I would probably have an entire song devoted to people getting my name wrong. Oh, the, the first it, time isn't it the me. best? Isn't it the best? <laughs> I, I've been called. My wife actually got called Dr. Bieber at work uh, one time, which was that was a lot of fun for her. Um, it's just nice. Misery loves company, you know? So if you find someone else who also has a, a complicated last name, you guys have a, there's an immediate bond that forms. Um, so again, that's A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I on Twitter. Give him a follow immediately. Uh, rem I think, and maybe I'm misremembering, 
but I'm fairly certain that your writing submission was a press release, right? It, yeah, it was. Uh, I did some some press work um, before I hopped on with you guys, and you know, I had like an essay I wrote from college to do some lo- to show you guys long form <laughs> stuff, and then I had this very cookie cutter like you know uh, press release from the work that I was doing. Um, that yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want me to talk about the field that I was in, but I mean, it was no, definitely. I, you don't need to give any of your 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 story away if you don't want to. I just thought it was kind of a fun way to segue into people yeah. saying, "Well, I haven't written for sports before. That's okay. If you can write and you love sports, we can help you put those two things together." So uh, hit us up. But definitely. that's not why I brought you on the pod, though, Alan. I've I've taken us <laughs> into a a weird sojourn here. Uh, you're on here because I thought we could do something kind of fun with you. Because you're you're sort of like the man of the people here at Hoopball lately. I see you in all of the forum threads. You're you're answering questions on Twitter. You're you're in there. You're in the weeds, man. You're digging up all of the weirdest questions. Every trade scenario that comes across the table, you're ready to go. So you and I texted a little bit, and and ultimately, I don't know that we came up with a particularly good name for the segment. But we're taking out we're taking us into Alan's community corner here. We're uh where we're going to I just feel like you can connect us with the stuff that's going on when you're pounding the pavement a little bit more than, you know, me up here in my ivory tower <laughs> at Fantasy NBA today. Um so I I think if I'm if I'm getting this right, you dug through the hoopball forums and picked a handful of your favorite threads that we can shout out, we can try to send people there if they have additional thoughts on them, and then we can break them down here on the podcast. So it's it's uh it's forum in podcast form today on Fantasy NBA Today. Am I getting all that right? That's all correct. Yep. And, uh, you know, I did some digging over the last week and I found a few stuff that combines like either uh, players that I hear a lot. Of, I get a lot of questions about like what to do with them from just sort of like, you know, interesting on some interesting guys like for trade value that you're not sure uh, whether or not which direction you want to go with them. Just like really just I think relevant stuff too to some of the news that we got last night and over the last couple of days. So there's we got a good mix here. The community is very strong. They ask about pretty much everyone. <laughs> yeah, they, you 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 get everybody covered. So uh, <laughs> take us to our first destination. Where it's what's the first stop on this musical uh, this magical mystery tour? All right. So let's start here with this post from December twelfth from user Swish Five. He posted a question about a Vucevic trade. He asked, would you trade DeAndre Ayton and Larry Nance for Nikola Vucevic and D'Angelo Russell? Mm. So, yeah, but we're, we're should, I mean, you know, Ayton obviously came back last night. It was his first game from the 25-game suspension. Uh, a lot of things have changed in Suns land with him gone. Um, and then some of these other guys on this list, Larry Nance is an interesting piece because of those love trade rumors and just his potential upside. And then D'Angelo Russell is sort of a, I don't really know if you'd call him a depreciated asset, but he's a guy that's sort of got a weird sort of aura to him because of the horrible situation out in Golden State. So there's a lot of, uh, those three guys I've gotten a ton of questions about on their own, and I just found it interesting that they were all included in yeah, the same question. Yeah, they all got looped into the same question. That's interesting. I guess I'll give my assessment on this, on the trade, and then we can figure out why. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fairly certain that I'm on the Vooch side, largely because of these guys on the list. He's the only one to me that could actually be a first-round value the rest of the way. I don't I don't think Aiton gets up quite to that threshold um, for a couple of... I mean, obviously, big men have this sort of built-in edge in that they, in 9-cat in particular, they usually have a little bit of an efficiency bump they get. Um, and, and both of those big men are good foul shooters in general. I just... And I don't like D'Angelo Russell as an asset. I think he's a mess this year. I think the Warriors are a mess, and I want to get out from under all of that stuff. But I don't see Aiton being a first-rounder. And for Larry Nance, there does need to be something that shakes loose. And Kevin Love's contract is not that easy to move. Tristan Thompson's probably a little bit easier uh, to sort of get that to be. Maybe he ends up better than D'Angelo Russell, but to me, I think the Vooch part is the part that I want the most. I totally agree with that. That was where that was going to go that direction as well. Um, just be yeah, Nikola Vucevic. There's nothing in his way that will stop him from getting to pretend that early second, late first round threshold that he's capable of. I think that the injury, the ankle injuries behind him, um, 
And for the just really the other side, yeah, there's a lot of question marks there. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, he looked good in his first game back. But I think I've heard a lot of people, I mean, for good reason, talking about how the Aaron Baines relationship with this team is pretty essential to their success. You know, they were a fan. They were hot out the gate with him starting in the middle. He went out for a few games and uncoincidentally, they lost a good amount of them. And, you know, I think Phoenix is just better with him involved. So, oh, there's question. I mean, how do you see that the DeAndre Ayton Baines relationship going? He only, I think Baines only got 18 minutes last night. But yeah, you think that- I, I think that's actually probably where he's going to end up. I think it's going to be about a 30 18 split. Mm-hmm. Um for a couple of reasons, I, I've been accused of being a DeAndre Ayton hater for saying that I think that Phoenix might actually be a little bit better with Aaron Baines on the floor um, because I'm not totally sold on Ayton's defense to this point. I, I, I think that there's, and maybe it comes around, maybe it gets there. He is still only in his second year in the NBA, so I'm not going to say that there's no opportunity for him to get over that hump, but just from a needing someone to kind of be in the right place at the right time, uh, Baines has been that guy more often to this point in his career than, than Aiden has. So from a win-loss perspective, Phoenix probably would be better served making it more like a 28-20 kind of split. But from a development standpoint, obviously it makes a lot more sense to put the, the minutes into Aiden, right? So yeah. I, I think that's where he gets the bump. They sort of have to see exactly how high he can go in terms of a ceiling. And they're a young team, even if they are... You know, even if they're in the competition for the eighth playoff seed, they're going to get smoked out of the playoffs <laughs> quickly. So that's not exactly like, you know, we're not championship contenders yet. So it's not just play for the exclusive purpose of winning. Um, so I still think Aiden's probably going to be in a nine category league. He's probably going to sit inside the top 25 or 30. Um, and that's great. But, you know, we saw it last year. Vooch was number 11 in nine category leagues. That's just, that's just markedly better for me. And so that's why I want that side. I'll tell you though, Alan, if uh, if Larry Nance, who is really kind of a buy low potential upside guy, if he was switched out in this trade for someone in the I don't know fifty ish range, I could be persuaded to go to the DeAndre Ayton side. That to me is the difference. I want a more proven. I don't need anybody to get out of his out of my guy's way kind of value. Like maybe we're going to stick in Phoenix like a Kelly Oubre make it a make it a Phoenix pairing of Oubre and Aiden for Vooch mm-hmm. I might go the Oubre side in that one because he's he's at this point now a proven value he kind of makes up that difference um but Larry Nance I mean he's outside the top 100 he does need somebody to get out of his way for him to hit fantasy value um and and for as down as I am on D'Angelo Russell he and Nance are basically neck and neck in the rankings right now yeah and, and, and you, yeah, you touched on the, that point, which I like in my trades. I like a trading for the best guy in the deal, and that's definitely Vooch in this one. But I also don't like uh, trading for guys that need certain dominoes in real life to fall into place in order to attain the value that you're trying to get them for. Which is in Larry Nance's case, he needs one of those bodies in Cleveland moved out of the way. Uh, there's no guarantee that that will happen anytime soon, particularly because of how public these trades, uh, these trade rumors are. Yeah, and I think that makes it all like the leverage sort of thing way harder. Um, it, yeah, I mean, if that if that were switched and you had like a consistent top fifty guy going with DeAndre Ayton there, because Ayton should probably get in that second third round range, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he's not he's he's still an early round type of player. It's just oh, yeah. you would you want the more consistent asset here, and even though Russell is got all that all those issues uh, with him, the the Vucevic side just gives you the guaranteed top player and that's what you should be looking for you can locate this particular forum thread i think the last post in it was on the 16th of december so if you were to be scrolling back uh from my, that was our post from my buddy beans um was was making a note in there so if you want to check this one out and and weigh in on it as well looks like i actually answered this forum thread as, I, as i'm looking at it <laughs> it's a lot of those <laughs> i do these things that was uh i did that at apparently the middle of the night which is when I do when I do a lot of the things, and hopefully they all work out for the best. Uh, all right, Alan, where are we going next? What's form thread number two? All right, so why don't we take a dive into this one? And this is it, this is just interesting because of the particular name involved. Um, it's this thread is titled Zion for Miles Turner. Mm. This was made yesterday, December seventeenth, by Waveman asking, you know, uh, he's in a standard nine cat head to head league. Would you think? What do you guys think of me trading away Zion? for Miles Turner. Um, and I find it interesting that, you know, 
Zion has some trade value, right? Because the hype was so strong and the name recognition is just off the charts. But there's also that fear component baked in with him about his injury outlook moving forward. So I've had like, you know, a lot of people asking me what you do with a guy like that. And he's one of the more complicated, I, I, because of those factors, he's one of the more complicated guys to peg. Personally, if you're going to get a guy like Miles Turner who has get, like category changing upside with like he does in blocks, you know, I like that short thing more than whatever is going to you're going to get out of Zion. But I don't know, there there could be an argument to be had there. Yeah, there definitely is an argument to be had there and I I think my answer in this forum thread was pretty wishy-washy because this one felt uh, this one felt a lot like stock trading to me, right? Because there's so yep. much guessing involved in what's going on with Zion right now. If he really does come back in, I don't know, four weeks and, you know, play like a banshee for a couple of months, you're going to probably have wish you had kept him. Uh, but at the same time, we're already seeing kind of signs of life from Miles Turner. His last two ball games have been more like a top 40, top 50 type of guy as opposed to the closer to 100 he was putting up up to that point is this separation from Demonis Sabonis the the big factor or is he just heating up because it's a long season and you know it took him some time to find himself it could be a combination of a couple of things um what would you do I think and it sounds like you would actually take the the safe play just get Miles Turner and kind of call it a day because he's playing right now I mean I, I think you're Maybe I'll take one step even further back on this question and say you almost have three things you can do. You can either trade him for Miles Turner right now. Mm-hmm. You can wait uh, a month and then trade him when maybe there's even more buzz if he's about to make his return and aim even higher. Or you can just sit on him for the whole year and see how it goes. I feel like trading him in a month is probably your highest profit maneuver here. Um, but also... You know me, I'm a pretty safe fantasy basketball player. If someone's telling me I can get one of the league leaders in, in shot blocking for a guy that may or may not play, yeah, I, I feel like I probably have to go the safe route with you. But would you ever consider option two? I feel like the only one I'm not considering is actually holding Zion the whole year because of the <laughs> uncertainty, which seems crazy because yeah. there is upside there. Yeah, so, I mean, that that's the thing. It, 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 your format comes into play a little bit here. This guy's in head-to-head league, um, and... You know, that I feel like in that equation, uh, it makes me want to move off of Zion a little bit more. Because even if he does come back, I mean, the way that this Pelican season is going, and you, there's this whole thing that with, I don't know, like he just, if you can get a guy in the range that which you drafted him, I feel like that's a win at this point. Because I just don't, I don't, I don't, there's too much uncertainty for me. I'm a safe guy like you. I like going for the guy that I know will help push me over the edge. And Miles Turner has that kind of upside. He's a he's a he's a slow riser of sorts. You know, he he sort of gets it going as the season as a, a rhythm develops as the season goes along. But if you do wait it out another month, like kind of right up to where Zion is returning, you could get a guy where maybe you maybe your chances of getting a guy who's already playing at like a top forty level. Um, increases because Turner's sort of a buy low guy even if he is turning things around right now his ranking keeps him pretty low yeah I, I think this might be the second year in a row I've actually bought low on Miles Turner uh, <laughs> uh there there may be something to that like is he is he ever started quickly this is not that I can remember yeah he's he plods his way out of the starting gates um which makes him a really neat target um I, so the the numbers game you can play on this one I guess is just to look at by totals right and just sort of mm-hmm. grind it out and say all right let's let's say conservatively miles turner is a top 70 guy the rest of the year i think he ends up probably better than that um but we're going to we're going to take a very low uh assessment on miles turner so the the guy currently in the number 70 spot is ricky rubio um and if you go back to last year because then you can actually look at an entire season's worth of data the number 70 ranked player was Ah, this is convenient for me. Thaddeus Young. Uh, so Old Man Thaditude was number 70, and he played in 81 games out of 82 last season. So the number 70 guy playing in all but one game was, by totals, the number 43 guy 
in fantasy last season. So let's say that Miles Turner is the number 70 guy and he plays in basically every game. I mean, he might have a game or two here and there. Let's let's not assume any large catastrophic injuries the rest of the way. A per game 70 playing every game the rest of the way is basically the equivalent of a totals 43, give or take. Rough. Uh, Zion, let's assume he comes back and plays at a top 40-ish clip, but only for... How many games do we think he's going to get in there the rest of the way? What are, what are we at right now in terms of games played? Teams are close to 30 at this point, right? I guess, yeah, it's about 30, a little under. Okay, so we got about 52-ish, a couple more than 52-ish games remaining. We'll say 54. If he's back in four weeks, so mid-January, that's probably a best-case scenario at this point, right? Yeah. I'm trying to give him every benefit of the doubt. Um, right. That probably leaves about 40 max games in his season sitting out probably some back-to-backs slow ramp ups we're gonna say that he plays in the equivalent of about 34 35 games Mm -hmm. at a top 40 clip so that's about 60 percent of the remaining games so i'm gonna continue this math thing and then i'm gonna abandon math altogether because i'm sure i'm this is like a what I think the comedian is Peter Holmes, where he says something like, "I can feel like I'm losing you here in the in the middle of his act." <laughs> uh, so going back again to last season, if you look at somebody in that you know 35 to 45 range who played in about 60 percent of the games on the year, an example of that would be Larry Markkinen, who played in 52 out of 82 games last season. He was about 42 on a per game basis, but on a totals basis, he was outside the top 100. It's more extreme because we're talking about 30 missed games there as opposed to, you know, 16 to 20 here. But the totals aspect really flips this thing on its head. And so if you think Zion's going to be a top 40 guy for 30-something games, his value actually takes probably about a three or four round hit. And thus, from just a pure, as Dan once again adjusts his bifocals, numbers perspective, Miles Turner is the better option right now. Did I lose you there? I'm sure I, I lo- lost everybody else, you, but you're stuck on a Skype call with me, so you can't go anywhere. You didn't lose me so much as you kind of put my thoughts into math, and that's a really <laughs> it's a great way of putting it, really, because, I mean, that's that, that sort of captures the whole fear with Zion and the just, like, uh, this, that, that puts it into perspective, the uncertainty component, and you know Miles Turner's going to be playing way more than that. I also think they're going to be going for home court to some degree, right? Indiana's going to be playing down the stretch. Yeah, they're a good team. They're an actual good team, and they're about to get their their best player back. So they, you know, they they, they are going to play down the stretch. Where the Pelicans, you know, they have every reason to just defer to young guys and hold off on their injured ones. Man, that's a wild forum thread. You know, it feels like when you just hear it out loud, it seems crazy, but when you run the numbers like that. The yeah. safe side actually makes a ton of sense. Uh, again, we—I'm trying to. As we're talking, I'm trying to come up with other names for this. This is like accidental mailbag show with with <laughs> Alan Sroki. Um, again, talking to Alan Sroki, one of our uh, awesome contributors here at Hoopball. Twitter handle is Alan A L A N S R O C H I. Give me forum thread number three. I think we'll probably do four on today's show. Sounds good. Let's see. Um... This one I found was a little interesting because the circumstances around it have probably changed a bit since it was asked. This is from December 12th from a user, uh, Orcut Mark, I think is how you pronounce that. <laughs> um, it's it's a sell high on Ingles. Um, they, were, they had Joe Ingles. They were streaming him uh, when Mike Conley went out for the first time with his hamstring injury. I know that there was news later today, earlier today, um, that he was... Um, going to either miss between a few more games or a few more weeks with his hamstring issue. They were thinking about buying low on the poster was thinking about buying low on Torian and Prince or Luke Kennard with Joe Ingles. Uh, now, and we've seen how good he is. I mean, he's been playing at like a top 50 rate in this sort of pseudo starting point guard role. He's going to have a lot more burn at doing that. Now, where do you think this question would be if it were asked today, man, Totally different, right? Because we all right. figured that Ingles just got Conley's spot and looked like he might actually stick in the starting lineup even when Conley was back. Yeah, that and, too. And now Mike is gone for, you know, heaven knows how long. So uh, all of a sudden, Ingles looks like a far better option. And this is, I mean, these are the things that you can't 
I feel like this is a perfect example of one of those things you can't kick yourself about. Sometimes you need to be a little bit lucky. Sometimes you get a little bit unlucky. If you sold on Ingles for Luke Kennard, who's been a pretty safe, you know, 85 range guy all season, and then there's all of the, I mean, the uncertainty around Blake Griffin, who how the hell he's already back for Wednesday's games is the, the greatest mystery on earth because he's basically tied a rope around his leg and dragging it up the court behind him. Um <laughs> It makes me think of that scene in in uh, in airplane. Did you have to drag? You know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. So, you know that this at the time felt like a really reasonable thing to do. You got Ingles, who's uh, like a one and a half week stream. Uh, go get Luke Kennard, who's in position for whenever Blake goes down to get a whole bunch of usage. He looked great the first whatever it was two weeks of the year, and then poof, Conley gets hurt again. Ingles sticks in the starting lineup. Blake Griffin comes back quickly. All the things that you needed to happen. You only really needed one of those three things to not be the case for you to be the right side of this trade. And all three of them are going the other way. So you gambled. It didn't work out. I, I, I wouldn't kick myself for making that deal looking back at it. As it turned out, suddenly things broke all in Ingles' direction. I, I feel like this is less a lesson on what the right side of a trade is and more a lesson on how you know bleep can just sort of go wrong. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's 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 just crazy, like you know how thing when you're trading with assets like this, where you know there's so many circumstances that could break one way or another. A guy, another guy that I was thinking about uh, in this sort of calculus was like uh, Jabari Parker, who you know uh, people were thinking about selling on when he got the starting role. Mm -hmm. um, and had they done that, they probably didn't expect him to be playing at a top forty clip this whole time. And as you've mentioned on other podcasts, there's it, it, and I'm a Hawks fan, so it does kind of make sense. I agree with this, that Jabari Parker could have some fantasy value left over once John Collins comes back. Like playing as more of a four as Collins plays some five, maybe even getting some minutes at the three, who knows. But yeah, I mean, it's just it, you could go so many different ways when you're trading guys who are getting higher roles because of injury. Um, and for Ingles, if I were to trade Ingles today with all this window he now has in front of him, you know, I would probably try and aim a little higher because I think we kind of know what oh, yeah. the uh, we know what what he's capable of in this kind of capacity. I mean, he really is playing at like a fifth round rate. Um, do you, so. I mean, I don't know if you could find an owner, convince an owner to maybe give up like your the Kelly Oubre type or something in that range. But I mean, that's where I would aim with it if I were trading him today. Yeah, I think you got to aim. Um, I I don't know if you could get. I don't know if you could go quite that high, but I mean, probably if you not. look at somebody in the 60 to 70, 60 to 80 pool is probably your, your, your target audience at this point. Um, you, you move up by like a round and a half over what you were trying to do when he was a short streamer. I, I think I'm inclined now with Ingles to just sit on him. I, I don't know. Cause I don't know if everybody saw that he was starting alongside Conley for half a ball game uh, on, on Tuesday before Mike got re-injured um, I think you, I think you ride it out. He could end up being a top 75 guy the rest of the year at this point. Yeah. I mean, do you, are you afraid of like the relationship and how those two handle the ball together? Cause um, I know that like, you know, that's mm -hmm. why Ingles is playing so much better is because he's getting to sort of set up the offense. Yeah. And just, you know, the, he was, he was better around people that were making plays. And when he was coming off the bench, he was with Utah's <laughs> very bad bench, you know? So all of yeah. his like smart basketball decisions resulted in a clanged three-pointer from, I don't know, name anyone else on the Utah bench <laughs> besides Joe Hinkles. Don't uh, Ed Davis. Yeah, that's true. And he's been uh, he's it. been really bad this year, actually, in a sort of a weird a weird twist. And you can't say Royce O'Neal because he was starting at that point. Uh, is Dante Exum even still on that team? I think he got injured again. Yeah, he almost definitely got. Like, I legitimately cannot name other people on the Utah Jazz. That's how... And we're, we're fantasy people. This is this is supposed to be our job to know these types of things. But yeah, Ed Davis is, I mean, like Emmanuel Moutier is their backup point guard. Are we serious? This is the guy that Ingles is supposed to be feeding for open looks? Mm. No, no. So yeah, it. it's, yeah, it's not going to happen. He's better around better basketball players. If he sticks in the starting lineup, I think he's, I think he's going to be solid the rest of the year. So I'm, I think I'm holding there at this point. Um, all right, Alan, take us to our fourth and final accidental mailbag. All right. Um, let's take a look at, 
this is one of my favorite threads in the forums is kind of a ranking sort of situation is rest of season value. And these are sort of guys that are all floating around on, on your, probably floating around on your waiver wires right now. We have uh, Jalen, and this is from a uh, user, um, it's another tough one, uh, Oron, <laughs> Oron X 62 I'm going to go with that one. Oron X 62 Sounds good. From just, yeah. They uh, were asking, and it sort of changed uh, the people they were talking about, I guess, as people were being plucked off their waiver wire. But rest of season between Kevin Herter, Dante DiVincenzo, and Jalen Brunson. Mm. And uh, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. was the other guy in there, but he might have gotten scooped up. But, I mean, I feel like, why don't we just throw him into that bag, too? So you have these four players, and you just sort of, like, looking for your – this poster was looking for point guard-like stats to get out of there, which I guess uh, THJ, uh, THJ does not really have. No. But your other guys sort of do. Um, so if you were to rank those four – rest of season which way would you go i think like i know which one i would go first uh we're looking rest of season and we're and we are including tim hardaway jr in that mix yeah okay i think rest of season i'm i'm probably going uh herder first and then i almost don't care about probably divincenzo second thj and then brunson because i i I believe luca will be back pretty soon if you were going short term it almost flips all the way around. I like Jalen Brunson the most for his two-week outlook here with with Luca out, um, but it, it really does look like Atlanta wants Herder in there and doing some ball handling. I was I was pleased he got back quickly after reaggravating his shoulder, um, and I feel like among the names on this list, he's really the only one of these guys that has upside beyond the top 100 range. Like maybe one additional round, but. That's a it's a big deal to get outside of that clump that uh, that these other guys settle into. So I think that's probably how I'm going with rest of season on this one. Yeah, Herder's the, is the one guy there that has that rest of season upside because of the fact that he's getting that backup point guard role now because his three point shooting is also so essential to the team. And yeah, I mean he's got a consistent thirty minute role at least. Um, Brun Divincenzo would be the other guy I'm sort of interested in just because. You know, he's not the player that Herder is, but he does have, like, he's been getting about 20 minutes a night and doing some low-end stuff with that. Decent percentages, like threes and a couple steals here and there. But then your other guys are just sort of alternating back and forth and hoping that any of them have some value once Luca comes back. Hardaway is probably the guy who does, but you know his game. He's just sort of yep. back and forth, up and down. Hard to trust in your head-to-head sort of settings, or Roto, really, any setting with THJ. Yep. Um, there's another guy that was on this list, too, that maybe we could throw in, and that would be Jabari Parker, who uh, also got scooped up for him. Does uh, he enter the calculus around one or two? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I might even trust him more than Herder, for whatever that's worth. Um, that one's that one's tighter. Uh, it really, boy, I know you're, you're in it. You're an Atlanta guy. The Hawks desperately mm-hmm. need any leadership that they can get out there. Um, so yeah, I think I'd probably leave Jabari. He and Herter are my one and two in what order I, I am not a hundred percent certain. Yeah. It, the Jabari thing is also dependent on how much of that, like we mentioned earlier, how much five Collins is going to see because Jabari is mm-hmm. going to need that Avenue to get to that mid twenties role that he's going to need to get to that value. I think, I have more optimism in Herder as a Hawks fan, just because of all everything I've known about like the team's plan kind of heading into the season. I mean, I don't, I guess it's more of a, an indictment on Jabari in my mind on how much of a role he could have left uh, relative to, to Herder's like 30 minute guaranteed shooting guard point guard ish role with the assists coming <laughs> in and the threes. Uh, you know, he's averaging close to a steal a game, which if he gets to mid thirties, maybe that goes up even a little bit more. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think Jabari does make the most sense right now, but I, I could go. I think I'm, I I might take Herder. I might take him uh, uh, between those two. Yeah. All right. You sold me. I'm good with it. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. He's, yeah. That, that's all there is on that Herder talk. All right. Perfect. Um. Okay. Great. Uh, Alan, that was fantastic. Accident. How do you like the name Accidental Mailbag? That just sort of uh, popped into the old the old dome as we were talking it feels like it the you know we you know 
Strokey's corner. That's that's also mm-hmm. good. Um, I, I like the alliteration of Alan's accidental cor- uh, mailbag. Yeah, <laughs> Alan's accidental mailbag. That's Al- Alan's accidental. I, I didn't. <laughs> a- okay, never mind. We're gonna give up on this right now. Um, we'll workshop it. Yeah. Uh, I'll have your people get in touch with my people. You can follow Alan on Twitter at Alan Sorokey. Again, that's S-R-O-C-H-I on the last name. We will have another edition of Accidental Mailbag in the not-too-distant future. Hey, happy holidays, my man. Happy holidays to you, Dan. Thanks again for having me on. We'll talk to you soon. That was our buddy, Alan. Good to have him on the program. We'll do it again soon. A tie-in, a cool tie-in, I thought, between what we've got going on in the hoop ball community and what we've got going on uh, with one of our fine contributors always in there with his ear to the ground, ear to the pavement. Uh, let's take a look through the week in review. As you guys know, on these Friday shows, we go through pickups, drops, watch list, hold, and streamer guys and basically uh, cut through every single team's most recent basketball game. It is um, quite an endeavor. And I'll do my best to explain as I work my way through. Some of these names are obviously guys from a few days ago. So, uh, we'll, anyway, we don't need a, a large preface. We'll just explain as we work our way through. So, let's start with pickups. Uh, Joe Ingles is on this list, and that's an obvious one. We don't need to go any more detail on that. He was a pickup when the streaming opportunity arose, and now it looks like he's going to have that gig for a while. Kevin Herter, another name that uh, was kind of on and off of my pickup chart, uh, precisely because it seemed like he was just going to be hurt and not getting the usage that he deserved. But his minutes cap kept going up, even after re-aggravating his shoulder. So he's back in there, and we're giving him the thumbs up now. Dante DiVincenzo is on the pickup list. I know his game yesterday was not the most thrilling, but he's just sort of quietly there, and players do tend to have a tough time going against the Lakers. Giannis, obviously, the... Uh, and George Hill, apparently, the other exception in that one. George Hill, by the way, he's going to be on our streamers list, so I might as well just mention him now. Uh, he's a streamer. He's been very effective in only 20 minutes a game, and he's going to see a few more than that with everybody out. Really good percentages. Not much in the way of usage, but he's been uh, terrific in his kind of semi-limited role, and I don't think he's going to get the love that he deserves. He's actually number 104 on the season And with his minutes now trending up into the mid-20s instead of right around 20, that's a big deal. Over the last two weeks, he's number 77, which is basically when guys started getting hurt. And uh, and a lot of that is because his percentages have been very, very good all year uh, and his turnover is very low. But there's a usefulness for that in 9-cat. So I'm putting him in the streamer category, and he probably deserves more attention than he's getting. Uh, Serge Ibaka, and then, you know, okay, so I'm going to start with the name Serge, but really this is the point in the show at which we hit pause on everything else and mention the fact that half of Toronto suddenly is dead. Uh, I don't, I don't know how this happened, but we saw Norman Powell get hurt. We saw Marcus Sol get hurt. We didn't even really see Pascal Siakam get hurt, but it was announced yesterday that he has a groin injury and is expected to miss a few weeks. So suddenly the whole damn place is gone. So that leaves, and I can list off the names for you now, and obviously Freddie Van Fleet, they're hoping, will be back sooner than later. So we'll put him on the almost healthy list. And alongside Van Fleet, you've got Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, OG Ananobi as the sort of guaranteed starters. When Norman Powell went down, it looked like Patrick McCaw was going to pick up some playing time. The question is, is that still going to be the case even after Freddie Van Fleet returns? I'm guessing the answer to that is no. But there's been so many moving pieces here all of a sudden with basically four guys out that were three starters and then the primary reserve for one of those starters that were really digging into the bucket. So let's sort this thing out in our heads a little bit. Uh, Ibaka's definitely going to be starting. Kyle Lowry's definitely going to be starting. And OG Ananobi is definitely going to be starting. When Freddie Van Fleet comes back, he's definitely going to be starting. So we're really only missing one, soon at least, of the five original starters. Or I shouldn't say original starters, but potential starters. Because Ibaka was coming off the bench, but he can slot into Marcus Sol spot pretty easily. It's Siakam's spot that's sort of up for grabs right now. 
I looked through uh, some of the data on this team, and the initial indication is that, at least in the recent evidence, is that Rondé Hollis Jefferson has been getting the first crack at those power forward, small forward, uh, sort of large wing minutes. Stretch four, he's not really a stretch four, but you catch my meaning. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna take a weird position on this one, and I, I think I'm gonna get killed for it, but screw it, we're gonna do it anyway. Um, everybody in the fantasy community is yelling about Chris Boucher right now, and I'm gonna be the guy that yells the opposite direction. Not that I don't like his fantasy game, because we saw when he got mid twenties and minutes, he was actually very effective. You can go back to the Serge Ibaka absence and kind of check out some of the Boucher game logs where you know, the first game that Ibaka was out, he played 24 minutes at 15 points, two steals, three blocks. The next game, he played 22 minutes at 13 and six with a steal and two blocks. And everybody was sort of rolling out the mission accomplished banner. Uh, and then things took a little bit of a weird turn. He played 14 minutes in the next one. He played 12 minutes in the game after that. He combined for five points and 10 boards in those two basketball games. Uh, then he came back with 18 and 20 minutes and had a pair of double doubles with no real defensive stats to speak of. Uh, then he had a 13-8 and eight game in only 15 minutes. So you can see he can do stuff pretty quickly. The question is, is there any guarantee? By the way, then they had a blowout win over the Knicks where he played in garbage time. So if you want to throw that into the mix as well. Is there any guarantee that Chris Boucher is going to get the 22-ish minutes that we're looking for to actually get some of those defensive stats? Which I believe he's getting more credit for than he deserves at this point. Uh, he's got a pretty good block rate, but also he's only averaging 11 and a half minutes a game. So it's hard to extrapolate that. You can't say, you know, per 36, he's going to average, you know, 2.3 blocks per game. It just doesn't work like that. Fouls come into the mix, other things that can clutter things up. So my, uh, my initial feeling here actually is that you're going to see a lot of Ibaka and a lot of Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Boucher, along with Terrence Davis, I think you'll see a fair amount of, and Patrick McCaw are kind of going to be probably the three primary reserves now for this game. So if you're looking at pecking order, I think Boucher is down behind Rondé Hollis Jefferson. From just a what-can-he-do-when-he's-on-the-court perspective, Boucher is the more exciting name of the two, but I still see no real guarantee that he's going to hit the minute threshold we need to be that big fantasy beast that everybody's talking about, right? Because he wasn't even fantasy relevant the last time. Now, admittedly, there's an extra body down for this one, although Kyle Lowry was out last time too, so it wasn't like they could play small, which presumably when Van Vliet comes back, they could just sort of go small, and it could be Serge and Rondé is your front court, and an OB, Kyle and Freddie Van Fleet. And you might see those guys all play 30-some-odd minutes. So I'm not racing out to get Boucher. I know that I know that makes me sort of the weird one here, and he's, you know, he got picked up in every single league that I'm in. Uh, but I actually think Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is the guy that makes the the first push. He didn't get picked up in every league that I'm in. That that surprises the hell out of me. I, I, I think he's starting. So I'm taking the contrarian position on this one, and uh, you know what? If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but everybody's going one way. We're going to zag when everybody's zigging. <laughs> Cody Zeller is on my pickup list. He's been great as a starting power forward in Charlotte. I can't fully figure out what the hell's going on with that, but you know what? It's what's happening, so we react to it. Derek Favors is on my pickup list as his minutes slowly trend up as he now is going to get into the mid-20s soon, and then he'll be a must-start guy. you got to have him on your team now before he hits that threshold. And finally, Alfred Payton is the last guy on my pickup chart for this week. It looks like he's starting to win that point guard job in New York. Uh, there was a game in there where he kind of split minutes with Frank Nilakina, but that's only because Frankie Smokes was having his uh, one of his best games of the year. Overall, it seems like the Knicks are better, markedly, when Peyton is running the offense. A couple of names on the drop list. Uh, Jared Culver is one of my drops. He's been so bad, and, you know, we kind of got talked into this luxury stash mentality, but he's been so terrible, and then he got hurt. I, I just I don't think there's a need to hang on to that for however long it might take for him to hit the relevant threshold. 
Uh, with DeAndre Ayton back, I think that all three other centers in Phoenix are probably going to move to the wrong side of the cut line. Aaron Baines, Frank Kaminsky, Dario Saric. Saric has the best potential path because he can play some power forward. The other guys can't really. Uh, you can give it one more game if you want. Um, and I'm, I'm totally fine with that. You know me. I'm not in a rush to, to make any preemptive moves, but they're they're on the, the chopping block. And then my buddy Kent Bazemore, who I really uh, I thought would do a tiny bit more. I'm actually probably holding him myself because he's playing big minutes, and I just feel like the defensive stats eventually are going to have to be there for him, and, and they're going to come down for Melo. It's a weird bizarro world where Carmelo's averaging like three defensive stats a game and Bazemore's not. I think that's going to flip. And the fact that he's playing big minutes makes me want to give him a little bit more leash. But just know that I'm right with you guys and kind of watching and going, how much more of these these clunkers that we can sit through. Uh, watch list guys. Guys that I'm thinking about throwing onto a fantasy team, but they're not there yet. Derek White, who's been playing better. Maybe we see more of him with Murray. If indeed DeJounte is going to be playing up closer to 30 minutes a game, they, I, I mean, if they want Murray running for 30, can they really only play Derek White 18? I guess it's possible. So that's why he's on the watch list. That's not why he's, that's why he's not a pickup. Uh, Matisse Thybul, he's going to be sort of permanently on our watch list, I think, because Josh Richardson's healthy, so his minutes are down. DeAnthony Melton is on the watch list. There's just not a consistent enough purpose there. And Ennis Cantor is on our watch list as well. I feel like he's been trending up for Boston. I don't know if it's health, opponents, or just sort of a need for someone who can put the ball in the bucket when they're near the bucket, and some rebounding, rebounding being kind of a, a large deal. Uh, he's not that far, actually, from getting over the hump. I know his season-long numbers would, would indicate that it's uh, a, a distant proposition, is number 195 in 16 minutes a game, but it's actually kind of amazing how fast he can elevate if he goes from 16 to, like, 22, then suddenly he's right on the cusp of being a fantasy guy. Your holds, guys that maybe people were thinking about dropping that I don't think you should. Jabari Parker, we talked about earlier in the show. DeJounte Murray, that's an obvious one. Daniel House, we also talked about earlier in the program. Chris Dunn is a hold. I know his games kind of fluctuate between weird and good, but the defensive stats are so impressive and the minutes are so much higher that you kind of have to hang on. He's gotten himself into foul trouble a few times recently. But again, those other numbers, they're just, they're too good. You need that. I, I know that he's right on the cut line if you were just going by sheer overall value. But somebody that's getting you two steals a game belongs on a fantasy roster somehow. He has to. Josh Hart and uh, J.J. Redick are still on my hold list. I think New Orleans, as they sort of settle in here, those guys are going to probably stay above Lonzo Ball. So don't drop them. Isaiah Thomas, I know he had a bad ball game his last time out, but his usage rate is up, so he's a hold. Willie Cauley-Stein is a hold as long as things are remaining goofy in Golden State. You can probably put Alec Burks on that list as well, although I'm basically done with the other guys. Uh, Glenn Robinson, he's out for me. Eric Pascal, he's out until Draymond is sat for a while. Marquise Chris, uh, Kai Bowman, who's back in the G League because of his contract. Damian Lee, all these guys are out. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, you try to trade him. Draymond, you try to trade him. Just, just abandon ship. The Pacers' wings are holds for me. T.J. Warren and Jeremy Lamb, who I know has been the one who's been particularly annoying for owners lately. He's still number 78 on the year, even with his recent shooting slump. There's just too many things that he does well in 9-cat. Free throw percent, steals, gets a half a block, low turnovers. He rebounds well from a shooting guard spot. You can't abandon that dude right now. I know that he's hurt and it's been a little bit ugly. Same deal with TJ Warren. Everybody's worried about Victor Oladipo. We don't really know when the hell he's coming back. Stick it out. Rashawn Holmes is an obvious hold. I'm going to move Nemanja Bjelica back into the hold department. I, I, I still think that he's going to ultimately be a cut, uh, but the Kings are, are so weird right now that they're still insisting on playing Bjelica a lot of the power forward minutes. So I think you can watch. They play tonight, by the way, Friday night at Indiana. That's going to be a tough one. And certainly if ever there was a time they could play two big men together, it's against Demonis Sabonis and Miles Turner. So we'll see what the hell they do, what the Kings are up to at this point. Because uh, Bielitsa, if he keeps his high 20s in minutes, 
He's a great fantasy player. He's incredibly well-rounded. He's number 66 this year in 26 minutes of ball game. So, I mean, that's your indicator. That's all you really need from him. His minutes do bounce around a little bit on a night-to-night basis, but really watch closely to see what the rotations look like. This is this is a homework assignment. Uh, and you and you might get a good indicator if you find out if, again, if it's just Bagley and Holmes sharing the center minutes, then Bielitsa probably still belongs on a fantasy roster. Heaven forbid. Uh, streamers, Ben McLemore, Landry Shamit, Derek Jones Jr., Gorgie Jang, and Jalen Brunson. I don't think we need to go into a ton of detail on these guys because, again, streamers, you have a very obvious one-to-one reason why this is happening. McLemore, because Eric Gordon is still out, although close to returning. Landry Shamit, because half of the Clippers got ejected, but he's probably a three-point specialist even when they're healthy. Derek Jones Jr., because half of Miami's hurt. Gorgie Jang with Cat out, and Jalen Brunson with Luka out. Let's turn our attention now. We're sort of, you know, speed demoning our way through this thing because we're at the one-hour mark on the show of everybody's next game, which, luckily for us, is almost all tonight. Ten-game Friday. That'll knock out 20 of our 30 teams. Sacramento, we already talked about what we're watching there. Indiana, Jeremy Lamb being uh, more of a game-time deal. You might see more Justin Holiday if he has to sit this one out, but not much to keep an eye on there. The Sacramento side is the big-time homework assignment. Uh, as we try to figure out what the deal really is going to be for Rashawn Holmes, Marvin Bagley, and uh, Nemanja Bjelica. Memphis, we're watching DeAnthony Melton, although it seems like with Ja fully healthy, it's going to be tough for him to stay above the cut line unless he just goes nuts every game. And as a you know part-time reserve, that, that's a relatively tall order. Literally nothing at all to watch on the Cleveland side. Detroit, Blake Griffin has been ruled out with his knee, surprised he even played in their last ballgame. He looks like a total wreck on the basketball court, uh, which means way more usage for Derrick Rose and Luke Kennard. Hooray! Boston, we're watching Ennis Cantor. Washington, watching Isaiah Thomas. Sounds like Mo Wagner's still not back, which is a large pisser. This is one to watch, though. Toronto side. Let's get a feel for who's playing where. I, I still think that Rondé's going to get that first crack at it, but let's keep an eye on the starting lineup. Uh, this is one to certainly check out the rotations. Maybe there's, I mean, we might get a pretty good idea quickly. And then if Freddie Van Fleet is still out for this ball game, which I, I think he's questionable as of the time recording this show, uh, that also opens things up. They might be forced to go bigger if he's out. But if he's back, I think they'll go small. Dallas, uh, we don't have a word on Luka yet. I, I'm assuming he's still out, so that means more Jalen Brunson streaming if you have him. Philadelphia, the starters, the Knicks, uh, Alfred Payton is the guy to watch. Miami, I think we have a pretty good feel for Miami, especially with uh, so many guys injured on that team. Derek Jones Jr. streaming, Nunn and Harrow are probably both worth streaming. And then Duncan Robinson, is is a, he's over the cut line. He's not even a discussion point anymore. Phoenix, uh, DeAndre Ayton, keeping an eye on his return and what that means for everybody else. Obviously, if Devin Booker is either in or out, that'll change things as well. Oklahoma City, they're... Uh, cut and dry. Minnesota, uh, you might be on a Gorgie Jang opportunity here, depending if Cat is still out. Denver is an obvious one. Not watching anything really with Orlando, unless Jonathan Isaac has to miss some time, but I don't think there's an obvious plug-and-play there. Watching Kent Bazemore on the Portland side. Watching Derek Favors' minutes for New Orleans, as well as the roles for Josh Hart, J.J. Redick, and Lonzo Ball. And for Golden State, it's the same old garbage. Not really any one thing that we're keeping track of but uh, uh, watching all things. Turning the attention to Saturday, Utah-Charlotte. I think we have a pretty good idea for both of these teams right now. Atlanta at Brooklyn, uh, keeping an eye on Jabari Parker's minutes and role, as well as Kevin Herter and the rest of the starting lineup. Uh, Brooklyn, I don't think much should change with David Nawaba out, so we've, we have a pretty good feel for them as well. Chicago is another team that's playing Saturday that didn't play on Friday. They, I think, are in pretty good shape. Milwaukee, I mean, you're sort of watching DiVincenzo, but I, I think you can safely just drop him in as a top 100 guy. Uh, Clippers, San Antonio, not much with the Clippers. Spurs, you're always watching the point guards. Houston, Daniel House's minutes and roll. And I think that might be everybody. Anybody going on Sunday that didn't play earlier? Nah. Lakers? I think the Lakers are off for a couple, but they're a fully uninteresting fantasy team. And that is your Friday show. I know we went a little quick here at some of this late stuff, but uh, you guys get the idea. The real keys 
for over the weekend are actually all happening tonight. Sacramento is a spot where you might be able to isolate some interesting value or either a buy or sell proposition. Uh, so that, I, I think, is really worth exploring. Uh, New Orleans, I think, is interesting in, in terms of you know who's playing and how much. Uh, the Knicks have a couple of things going on, and then the Raptors. Those are your those are your big ones for tonight, where things can change considerably. And I know with the Raptors, it's injury related, but if all those guys miss two to three weeks, that's enough to do something. You know, two to three weeks is is not a, a tiny chunk. You're talking about you know ten to fifteen percent of the the season. So if you can get a big bump for just a chunk of your season, that's still worth it. So let's pay close attention to those teams tonight, and then we'll obviously tie it all together on Monday. Big thank you once again to Alan Soroki. Again, that's S-R-O-C-H-I. Give him a follow on Twitter. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. I can't promise you that I won't be sick on Monday, but I can promise you that I will try. Thank you once again to everybody that's been rating and reviewing the pod. Hit me up if you have any questions, if you'd like to be a contributor uh, at HoopBall, or send a note to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Fantasy NBA Today back on Monday with a reverse chronological lightning round. And with that, we'll see you then. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.